0: Against the insidious wiles of foreign influence, the jealousy of a free people ought to be constantly awake, since history and experience prove that foreign influence is one of the most baneful foes of Republican
1: government. The words of President George Washington. And this is The Guardians of the Republic. Hello, I'm Patrick Murray from the Monmouth University Poll, and my co-host is Ian Kahn from the TV series Turn, Washington Spies.
0: On this episode of the podcast, we'll cover the Democratic debate in our Hot Take segment, and wrap as always with our Guardian of the Week, and our main segment will continue our conversation on challenges to the Republic this week. Please make sure to subscribe, and give us a rating in your favorite podcast app, so others can find us but first Patrick. You have an interesting follow-up on a poll you discussed in last week's episode.
1: Yes, and it really is related to the direct challenge to the republic. Um, This is the poll that I brought up was the Fox News poll about impeachment, which went over 51 percent support uh, last week, made a lot of news. It was a big jump for Fox. Um, Other polls continue to show a a, a building of uh, support in the public for impeachment. But there was a New York Post story that was out uh, at the end of the, uh, the week, over the weekend, I think it was. And it said, Fox News pollster Braun Research uh, puts out uh, m- misleading information or something. I can't remember the exact title. But the, the idea was that the party comp- composition, Democrats, Republicans, and independents, of the poll was out of line with reality. They had mm-hmm. 48% who were Democrat or leaned to the Democratic Party. And they compared it to a Gallup poll, which said only 31% were Democrats. But let, I'm going to put that aside because that is bad analysis because I can get into a whole screed about how you measure party mm. ID. and screed. how Screed. <laughs> yeah, screed. Screeds I'm, I'm, fun, I'm going no, okay. on screed. Yeah, that's right. We don't want to do screeds on the, this podcast right now. So, but the point is that the, the, the analysis was bad. But what was really interesting to me, and I thought what was telling about what was going on and why this article appeared was, it didn't blame Fox News for the poll, didn't blame Dana Blanton or any of the Fox people who run the polling outfit there. It did not blame the actual pollsters who conducted this. Two firms, Shaw Research, which is a Republican firm, and uh, Beacon Research, which is a, a Democratic firm, both longstanding firms who have been doing Fox's polls for the past few years uh, to provide a balanced and fair assessment of public opinion. That's why, that's why I said it was one of the actual, it is actually one of the best polls out there. But they, they blamed it on this company called Braun Research, which only did the telephone interviewing for them. And I happen to know Braun Research very well because they do my telephone interviewing. But I know for a fact that Braun has no responsibility whatsoever for the design of my surveys, for the sample composition, for the weighting or analysis of my surveys. They are just a contractor who does the work. It's like if you see a biased uh, article in the newspaper, it's like blaming the printer for the bias, Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought, this is really strange. Why is uh, the New York Post trying to divert attention or divert responsibility for this poll away from Fox? Well, who owns the New York Post? Same people that own Fox. And that's Rupert Murdoch. And who got a visit from Bill Barr, the attorney general, in his Manhattan apartment on Wednesday night, the night this poll came out?
0: The same guy who owns the New York Post and Fox.
1: Right. And on Friday, you know, who quit Fox News? Uh, Shepard Smith. Right. I mean, I don't know exactly what happened here, but this is really, really fishy. The whole, well, thing, the whole thing just smells to high heaven.
0: We're getting, well, I didn't know heaven smelling, but it's it's getting state news. We're getting closer to Fox News just sort of being state
1: news. Right. This um, is Pravda. Right now. Yep. Yeah.
0: So we're we're moving in that direction uh, even more fully. Um, and Shepard Smith, it's interesting because as we were talking just now, I was thinking to myself, you know, Shepard Smith should be up for Guardian of the Week. I don't know if he was one. Uh, maybe a couple of months ago he should have been at some point uh, because he certainly was holding steady at that 3 o'clock uh, Fox, right. you know, that hour. Um, but but so overall, what does this tell you about polling and the dangers that we might be
1: well, this is this is another example where truth is is under fire, where facts are under fire. Uh, that uh, those who control the facts, control access to the facts, are simply making it up as they go along, mm-hmm. uh, and and the concatenation of events there, from the poll coming out to the attorney general's visit to Murdoch to. Shep Smith uh, leaving Fox to this article coming out in the Post trying to, you know, to trying to lessen Fox's role in the poll itself that made the president unhappy. It is uh, it is very, very worrisome. It's very dangerous. I mean, yeah. it's, it's yeah,
0: it is a great example of how the republic has been challenged this week. And now let's move on to Pelosi, who is not holding the impeachment vote yet. You have yeah, to and
1: about. I think I think that's the, very similar to here. Why, why is she uh, not doing this? And I think there are a lot of very important uh, considerations that she's making. And one of the things I found that was interesting here, another poll, this was a poll done by a democratic firm, but... The, the key to the poll is that they were actually giving advice to Democrats. And so they did the survey of Americans and said, you know, if for Democrats, this is how you should be handling impeachment is, you know, a majority of Americans support the impeachment inquiry. Uh, they are even more troubled by the allegations, though. So a higher number say that what he did was inappropriate. And that's mm-hmm. what you should fo- focus on. They say that the facts matter and that you should just focus on the facts, focus on the facts of the whistleblower complaint. These are compelling. Uh, they also say you should frame President Trump's actions as an abuse of power, uh, highlighting that no one, including the president, is above the law, and try to work with conservatives, as we've been talking about, who have said this all along, that that's an important value to them, and uh, you know push that value. And then the final thing is that you know, the argument for Republicans who are standing behind Congress is Uh, They're putting party over country. And that's one of the things that we saw in that Fox poll last week was that uh, the Americans were more likely to see the Republican members of Congress action in this more as being more politically motivated than the Democrats.
0: One of the hopeful things that came out of the last two weeks is, you know, this, this all started right as Congress went on vacation recess for two weeks. Right. And I was wondering, I was like, is this going to be one of those things where two weeks later we're going to have new stuff to talk about? Yeah, well, we do have plenty of new stuff to talk about because Syria was not on the table at this time. We were not discussing that. However, th- this isn't going anywhere. This right. is staying front and center. And and and,
1: and we've got a lot of new information coming out. We have that we've got the subpoenas for Trump's tax returns. There could be ties to business dealings in this, and it makes sense for uh, for not just for political reasons, because I gave you the political reasons from that poll, but also from just the reasons of making sure that people really believe that you are following the facts. Is mm-hmm. that you know? If you hold an impeachment vote now, you have people already talking about, and we have the salt with presidential candidates. Is that, hey, he's already done enough to be impeached and removed from office, and I think we're getting to the point where a majority of the public believe that, but we're not getting to to the point where we have a critical mass of enough people who not will yet. abide no. by that decision if yeah, that happens. True. and I think that, right. I think that's what makes sense for for Nancy. Fifty one to, hold to off 43,
0: at this point. 51 to forty three is great. It's 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 impressive. It's definitely the needle moving, but it's not enough enough to um, to knock him out of office not yet however, with every day we're having someone else who's who is going into the House Intelligence Committee or all the different committees and speaking about what's happening and when when they get all of those facts together and they put them all out at once, I think it's going to be very powerful and you know the trump folks are complaining about this right they're not cooperating giuliani's not cooperating and you know we're we're, we're seeing this is this is a battle of the branches of government right right now. so
1: right right now we're t- we're, this is what we're talking about is the house Intelligence committee is, is doing most of its meetings right now and its hearings and taking testimony behind closed doors good choice which is exactly what we we're advocating for and that's what the trump folks are complaining about but, you know, they're talking about the lack of due process, the lack of, uh, you know, that they're not going to see anything. That's how this works. You know, you have to develop the facts first. Now, yeah. we assume and that, you know, Schiff and, and uh, Pelosi have to make sure that they do this at the end is once you've developed the facts, you have to make sure that the other side has access to all those so that they can have a response to them. Mm-hmm. But... You know, it's it's hard for them to make that complaint that they're not being having access to the facts when they've said up front that they won't cooperate at all, that they will obstruct the investigation. But there are people who are being called to to the intelligence that is that
0: that are speaking out and that aren't listening to what the president is saying to do. Uh, People like, you know, we're going to be seeing more of them daily and they're coming out and what they're saying, the leaks that are coming out of that or the reports that are coming out of that are very damning. Extremely damning. Yeah.
1: It's, it's, it doesn't get better. It only yeah. gets worse. But Trump's hope is by stonewalling this, he's going to continue, he's going to try to make it look uh, political in the sense that the Democrats aren't, aren't really following facts. They're just doing political. And the reason why they're not following facts is because they didn't give them any facts. But uh, I thought it was telling what he said in his uh, press conference with uh, the leader of Italy. And the Republicans won't forget it, because what they're doing, what the Democrats are doing to this nation, is a disgrace what they have done the disrespect that they've shown to the presidency and it'll happen to them because if the republicans have the house which i think they will because of impeachment i think because of this nonsense uh, impeachment it's based on a perfect phone conversation an absolutely perfect phone conversation with the president of ukraine and then disrespecting he goes on yes. the presidency he's yeah. talking
0: about disrespecting the presidency yes that's rich, man. I mean, that's I know. That's, that's that's
1: impressive. But, but, you know, there's the threat that the Republicans, this is partisan and this will become a political game. And, and the Republicans will play this political game, too, because I'm going to try to make sure as much as possible that it remains a political game so that the public can't see it as anything other than that. Or at least my supporters can't see it as anything other than that. And they won't buy into the legitimacy of an impeachment inquiry
0: yeah, although this impeachment inquiry and those numbers are consistent now, so at least yeah. they have the green light to move forward with the inquiry. although at i will I now. will
1: say one thing. this is stuck with me um, for I, I was rereading Alexis de Tocqueville's uh, Democracy in America over the summer. And uh, those of you who don't know the the book, he was a Frenchman who came over in the 1830s to basically survey the uh, U.S. penal system to bring back information to France about what they would do. But he actually wrote one of the seminal works about how does democracy actually work in America. But one of the things that he said in there just really sticks with me. And he said, when the, the American Republic begins to degenerate, it will be easy to verify this. By looking at the number of political impeachments increasing, and I was just thinking about this today before I was born. there was one presidential impeachment process mm-hmm. since i've been born, there are now three
0: but i 'm going to go back to what something we discussed last week, which is that this was set up in the Constitution by the founders to to be used right and and to be not only to be used but to be thought of by every president of the United States. one of the things that I look at with President Obama who has no impeachments, no indictments during his eight years is is that you know he he was running a really clean ship. It was part of it, w- it was part of what his obligation was to right. understand that it's I, I'm on you know I'm, I'm going to be held to task if I do something that is unethical or, or wrong. And President Trump is being held to account right now. And President Clinton was held to account and President Nixon is held to account. We could argue whether Clinton is as much of a crime against the nation as Nixon and Trump is, uh, clearly a a crime against the nation. But, you know, I I, I don't mind it. I I don't mind the idea that presidents presidents go in going, you know what, I'm, I'm not the most powerful human being in the world. Even though yeah. I am the most powerful human being in the world, there, there are people who
1: hold sway and power over me, so I better behave and my people better behave. But, at the same but what, time. what Tocqueville's comment was about, what his observation was about, was he had put out there, he said, Look, there's nothing natural that holds uh, respect for the processes of the institution uh, of American government together. It is only the people who run the government. Holding it together and maintaining the public trust—something that we talk about all along—and he says, "That's what you will know if you start seeing a lot of impeachments. That means that the underlying trust in the system and the willingness of those who hold those levers of power to maintain that trust has broken down." And I think he's right. I mean, this is what we've seen evidence of. Yes, it's in the Constitution to hold people accountable, but to Tocqueville was saying, if it starts happening very frequently then the Constitution is broken, or at least it's in serious danger.
0: Well, speaking of serious, let's talk about Syria, um, yeah. and let's talk about what's going on there relating to the guarding of the Republic, and and something that Erdogan said earlier today when he said that when Trump comes here, I'll be talking, as opposed to speaking with Pompeo and Pence. He he came back on that uh, later, and he was like, well, you know, I'll still meet with Pompeo and Pence. But the situation there, the, the question that I had is this. You know, we, we've seen now— we've pulled out. And now Trump is saying, I'm going to destroy the economy of Turkey. The question that rises in my mind is, why does President Putin want to destroy the economy of Turkey? What is the long range plan for President Putin? Because now, for me at least, when I see President Trump make a move, I'm thinking, what does his handler want him to do? And what, how is this going to help Russia?
1: I, the whole the whole thing is head scratching right now, um, and you see Trump trying to have it both ways in his press conference today. He was talking about defending Turkey as a NATO ally, but he's not treating it as a NATO ally, and and of course. Uh, you know what he said about NATO in the past has also come back right. to bite him. That was that was pretty yeah, that
0: a, was pretty rich. Again, yeah. I keep talking about how rich Trump is, I and mean, we wonder how rich he really is. But you know, he he was saying, you know, we're friends with NATO, we 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 get along with them, and instantly I thought of that picture of uh, Merkel talking to Trump with, and Trump with his arms crossed with a, with a silly little smile on his face like a six-year-old boy who's being petulant. And I'm like, that's, his, that's your NATO allies. That's how he treats our NATO allies. So to, for him to call Turkey a NATO ally, is what, what does that mean? You can't have it every way.
1: Right, but he is. And so that raises the question of what's the motivation here? And I said, when we talked about this last week, that maybe it's just the chaos theory uh mm-hmm. you know that you know he's just you know he's just winging it and uh trying to make the situation make the ah, situation, I turn more the situation than than that. and I think, I think it's more malevolent than that and i yeah, think
0: it's more malevolent than that too many that, things
1: are ha- i'll agree with you too many things are starting yeah, to happen
0: I, it's president putin has control over um our foreign policy right now and when he tell he says this is how it's going to go you know and whether it's Erdogan on the phone with Trump, and Erdogan says this is what President Putin wants to see happen. And then, all right, well, then I guess that's what's going to happen. And you wonder, well, why? Well, now Russia is filling in all these vacuums all over the world. And the, the, the you know, our strategic situation all over the world is, is going to be in absolute shambles.
1: I wonder it's, if there are rough transcripts of these types of calls. There,
0: I'm sure there are, but, it, but there's no way he's showing that. I mean, to, to go all the way back when, when he had the meeting with Putin and he told the note taker, of the translator to get rid of her notes. Come on now. Like, what, what are we waiting on? The, I, I go back to the picture of the foreign minister and the ambassador um, in the White House within, you know, months of Trump becoming the president and that picture of them smiling. Like the, like the cat who ate the canary. I mean, it's, it, 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 it is burned in my brain. And I, there's no other way for me to see it right now other than that Putin has control over the choices that we make. And
1: this might be the straw that broke John Bolton's back. Ooh. Man, and why he, it looks like he's now going to come out and, he, and well, he's drop got the, the book, dirt on man. He's got yeah. his
0: book. He wants to make his money, but he better do yeah. it quick. Yeah, I mean because there's the guy, there's the guy who could stop all of this. And you know, we with we we saw with um, with Faith. I'm sorry, what was her name? Fiona Hill, rather. Fiona Hill. Uh, Fiona Hill you know, quoting John Bolton. And talking about Giuliani and saying, I've got nothing to do with this mess, and Giuliani's just trying to blow up, and I'm not part of this this drug deal. You know, Bolton could really do some damage. I, I'm wondering what the Democrats are waiting for to subpoena him.
1: Yeah. I I, I think it will happen. It will happen eventually. All right. I'm, you know, there's one more thing that I wanted to ask you about uh, yeah. from this week, and that is that video uh, that was shown at a Trump fundraiser. Not the Trump campaign was behind it, but uh, his son was there. Others were there. Uh, did you, Sir Huckabee was there. Yep. Did you watch the... Actually, oh, I I, I watched I, about
0: half of that video. That and was... And it was... No, there was no more to be watched. I, I can't even... Believe,
1: I, I mean, I, I hadn't even heard of the movie that it was from... Uh, before and I can't even believe that scene was in a movie, let alone what was done with it uh, on uh, on this video.
0: So essentially in this video, it's a video of Trump super Trump's face superimposed on a body shooting people and killing people and acting like a superhero inside a um, church. But basically what it was was it was all the members of the press. All the members so of the was,
1: press and it was and former and former president Obama and uh, and uh, John McCain, Mitt Romney. Uh, it's uh, it's it, that that is, and it was it extru- incredibly violent. And this was incredibly. shown at an actual like real event. This is not just something that somebody made and circulated on the internet. Uh, and the violence in there was just so, I, it just oh, so inc- I, Over the top is not even the right word. I don't know what word I can use to describe how heinous this was. And this goes back to what you had said before about what would happen if. Trump was kicked out of office and he went, you know, he went screaming and not quietly. And what would his what would his followers do? And I think we're getting to see v- very clear evidence of what they would be willing to do.
0: Well, we, we and he came out uh, two days later, I think, and, you know, strongly disapproved of the video. But it wasn't him. It was his press secretary who sent out that tweet. Um, it's a uh, it's a chilling time. And uh, we we have a very dangerous human being who is in our executive, leading our executive branch and leading our country. And, um, you know, I I pray for this impeachment process to go well, well enough that he will resign.
1: Do it deliberately and slowly and make sure you collect the evidence and make sure people understand that it's about the... The process and putting country ahead of party, Um, you know, you got to get those Republican leaders on board. You got to start peeling them off so that their followers have nowhere to go when, you know, you say that the Constitution is more important than any one person.
0: Okay, let's move right. on to the Democratic debate. Um, yes. And now, before Lighten we get little into little. the hot takes from this, um, from the debate about who's going to face President Trump, if President Trump is indeed the Republican center bearer, um, do you have any big takes that you want to take away from this? My my
1: takeaway from this is that I'm, I'm I'm getting tired. This was the fourth debate. I don't know. There might be like 16 or 17 more debates. Good. <laughs> more. I'm glad. I, I'm, I, I want I, more debates. I I think there are people who shouldn't have been on that stage. I think there are questions. Nothing about climate change was on there, which is very fine. important to Democratic Listen, voters. But, yeah, I but, think, the, but
0: the idea I, that there are too many, that, that was too many debates. No, as I think I need a different format. I need, a, diff- I need a different format, format. But I want them on. I want them on TV every night. I still go back to the idea that it should be one on one every night on CNN, MSNBC, Fox News somewhere. Let's see everybody get up there and go against each other. I I I don't want less debates, I want more. I want, I want more, see- I want
1: more substance. I want more information. I, okay, yeah, well, I'll give I you my overall.
0: I've got to talk about Bernie Sanders. First of all, God bless him, he he looks strong. We're going to get into that later, but there were two moments that were just funny. Um and and they go back to it looks like I'm a, I'm a I'm a Jew from New York and and I like, you know, Bernie Sanders is very Jewish from New York and there were two moments that were very funny to me. Um one was when he was talking about his big event on Sunday. And uh, he said, we have a big event in Queens. Go to Bernie. There's going to be a a surprise guest. And I paused the TV. I turned to my wife and I said, this is what he's going to say next. There's going to be pudding. There's going (laughs) to be the good pudding will be there. Like he's, he's doing an assisted living. Like everyone should come. Yes, Joe, there's going to be tapioca. It's going to be great. We're going to have a clown. We're going to have a great time. So like that was one of the, for me, comic relief. And And then it happened again with Sanders and Biden. And Biden's talking about, you know, Vladimir Putin and he, Points to his right, and, and Bernie Sanders goes, "Why are you pointing at me? I I have nothing to do with this." And and it turned into, if you remember that movie, the Sunshine Boys from uh-huh, the seventies yeah, with Walter Matthau and George Burns. The finger, you're giving me the finger, and, and you know, and, and Joe's like, "No, it's not you. I'm not giving it to you. I'm doing it to this. You give, get away from my soup." So for me, <laughs> there was there was some comedy along the way. It was a very long night, but I I was absolutely fascinated. Um, from the beginning so let's move on to the that 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 was
1: enjoyable I I will agree with you okay
0: we're gonna gonna focus this one on the 12 candidates on the stage we're gonna have 90 seconds to discuss each one of them though we're gonna combine a few Um, and when you hear this sound it's time to move on to the next candidate so our first grouping of 90 seconds is Tom Steyer Tulsi Gabbard Julian Castro and Beto O'Rourke do you have any general thoughts about those four
1: uh, yeah, time to pack it up. Um, uh, let me take one on Styre. Uh, so, Styre proved uh, that you can buy your way onto the stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was very interesting. And you know god bless him and he will be on the stage in november he has qualified for that but i don't he didn't bring anything new to the table there
0: well stars was fine i'm going to move quickly through these tulsi Gabbard, um you know she she really with her illegal regime change war stuff uh repeating that which is a russian talking point just and she even was called an asset and she didn't say and i'm not um, which was surprising. to me, Julian mm-hmm. Castro rehabbed himself uh, last night. He was on real behavior. he 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 really took a hit with uh, Joe right. Biden, right? Um, so I thought he handled that rather well. And one of my favorite lines of the night was his line about caging kids and freeing ISIS. I thought that was really, really strong. And better or worse, I can just tell you, I didn't hear a word he said. He, I'm back to not being able to listen to what he said. It's just none of it comes through for me.
1: I, I actually I actually thought Beto gave a good performance, if you view it in isolation, in terms of whatever his new... Uh, his new role was going to be in politics, but it's not going to be president. It's going no. to be, you know, gun, uh, gun control advocate or uh, so whatever, far. Whatever he's it. gone
0: so far to the left on so many of these issues. It's, it's just shocking. All right. Well, next we're going to talk about Kamala Harris and you wanted to give Kamala a full 90 seconds. So give it a go.
1: I think she deserves a full 90 seconds because she has in the past been considered uh, one of the potential top contenders. Certainly she was, she yeah. had that moment. She had that first, the, the moment in the first debate when she took on Joe Biden, she tried to, Uh, repeat it in the second debate and it fell flat and uh, her polling numbers have taken a hit since then. And I think that I, I don't think that she had did enough to stay in the discussion uh, anymore as one of the top candidates.
0: She had a good start to to the debate. I mean, I I actually made note that her opening answer was pretty strong. It was one of the strongest of the top of the first five. But then when she got caught up with Twitter and Elizabeth Warren, uh, for me, that that was a that was a mistake, uh, and she didn't handle it well. I, I don't agree, I, I agree with her, with it. Yeah. and it was interesting to watch Warren sort of like you know no 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 I, I'm not gonna do yeah, that yeah I'm we don't need to get into that I'm not gonna get into that, know know get into that with you it was like yeah. it was like a teacher it was like a fourth grade teacher talking to fourth grade. now <laughs> let's just move on let's move on it was interesting to watch I I feel like Kamala there was one moment I was like you're gonna be Attorney General like you're gonna be Attorney General of the United States at some point and that may be a really good job for you though then you're giving up being senator from california which is also a really good job so i you know a kamala harris is, is sort of eliminated herself in a way it seemed to me last night just she just can't she's not strong she's not bringing the she's yeah, not bringing I, the heat
1: i think that was a make or break moment for her and, yeah, I think and so last too. night and it broke uh so let's move on to the next one which is uh cory booker who cory you, booker. you have a lot of advice for i take
0: it. I, well i have some advice for cory booker one um, he, he does this this thing you know, it was interesting at the top he was smiling as he spoke and I was like, you know, that smile does work for him. But what he is missing, and this is a fundamental issue for him moving forward, is he never comes to a complete stop. So he says, you know, and then we have this and we're all supposed to get along because the future of the country is at stake. And, blah, blah. and what he needs to do to make the change, and this is from a communications standpoint, is he needs to say, look, we all need to get along because the future of the nation is at stake. And he needs to come to a period. And if you go back and you watch Cory Booker over the course of that debate, the times where he stops, where he finishes a thought and holds are almost none. And it's a major issue with his communication skills. He has such wonderful presence. He has a great mind. He has a lot of positive things to say. But I think part of the reason why he's not been able to catch fire um, in this particular round of running for president, which I I think he's we're going to see him again, whether it be four, eight, 12 years down the road, he needs to find a way to come to a complete stop and stand there and take it and give it. And that's something I want to see happen for him.
1: You know, it's funny when you said about his smile. Uh, last night, my 10-year-old daughter wandered through the, the living room a few times, and she was watching one of his uh, responses. And it was about something that he was really flustered about. He was uh, upset, and he, but he was doing it with a smile. And she said to me, why is he happy about that?
0: Well, so it's because- think, of,
1: think about how that plays, I guess, to a 10-year-old. And I think you're right. He's not, it's not clear what's coming through when he, when he speaks. All mm-hmm. right. Who's next?
0: You can give it to me. I oh, yeah. I'm say. Oh,
1: Amy Klobuchar. Amy Klobuchar, who... Yeah, go ahead.
0: Listen, I've, we've been, I've been talking about Amy Klobuchar on this show from week one, uh, saying that if there is a lane for Amy Klobuchar to find her way, that she could find her way. The, one of her... She had a good night last night, I think.
1: Yeah, I think she had an excellent night. She keeps steering into that lane, but she keeps...
0: I don't know stuck
1: behind all the other cars well
0: one of the things that happened yeah but what she did was she was she was playing bumper car last night and moving yeah. people out of the way and she was taking some real punches at Elizabeth Warren last night which I thought was it was like yeah you better do that you better make yourself but to me she was one of the winners from last night um, and and when she kept going back this is I think her best move she kept going back to this is the heartland Ohio Wisconsin Minnesota this is where I win and that from what I said from the first one of our first episodes was I talked about how Klobuchar, if she could find her lane, could really do well in those states. And I think it's one of the things that makes her not hot, not likely, but at least she's more viable today than I think Kamala Harris is. I think that, you know, I would switch those two at this point.
1: Yeah, I think I I agree with you too. I think if she can make that score in Iowa, uh, that she can change the dynamic a little bit. I think she had a, I do I agree with you she had a really good debate she she showed where she could be within this field the question is are voters open to looking down the field that far at her as an alternative at this point. Um, I mean, it's I one know. of those
0: things. If Biden were to get out, there is room for oh, Pete yeah, absolutely and Klobuchar, right? Yeah, There's room for two of them. Probably not room for three. Okay. Next, we're moving on to someone who I thought had a really good night also was Andrew Yang. What were I, your thoughts? I agree. I think he did
1: have a good night. And I mm. think... Part of the reason why he had a good night is that his freedom dividend and the discussion of automation and the importance of automation yes. actually took up a significant chunk of this and debate. And it's huge. And it is important. And guess what? And, and that in and of itself is success. Andrew Yang's platform, which nobody was talking about six months ago, was now a central part of the Democratic primary debate. And not only and that's that, a success. He, was
0: talking about, he was talking about going back to why Trump won. That, there's great value. He did that. Mayor Pete did that. Talking about, this is no mystery. The reason Trump won is because people are losing their jobs. Now, there are jobs in, you know, the lowest unemployment of all time, right? Blah, blah, blah. But the reality is that there's more automation coming. His bit about self-service kiosks in McDonald's and truck driving. I mean, I thought...
1: That I thought, you know, he's dead on right. And how about he's, that answer he gave about uh, you know, the, the question about uh, unusual friendship? And his, the answer was Fred, the truck driver, who voted for Trump.
0: Yeah. And he that got was, to know him yeah. and he
1: spent time in his truck. And it reminded me of time that I've spent out in in, in uh, Ohio and West Virginia and Iowa and all these places. And you do understand, you absolutely understand why Trump is a rational choice for these folks when nobody but, else is You know, some to people,
0: them. I was watching some pundits last night who were talking about the debate and, and they were talking about how this is still locked in, right? It's still locked in. It's still Biden, Sanders, and Warren. But I, after last night, I, I actually see something quite different happening. I see the, the plate shifting a little bit.
1: Yeah, and in fact, I think one of them where it's shifting is uh, Pete Buttigieg. How about Ooh,
0: you? Ooh, Mayor Pete, with the with the with a really strong showing last night. Yeah. Um, you know, going back again to one of the first episodes that we did, where I was talking about Mayor Pete's ability as a as a political communicator and and we've talked in the, about the first three debates and he almost looked scared up there and he looked young well last night none of that was playing last night he was playing like he was the alpha male on that stage alpha human on that stage wasn't even alpha male but he really brought it and his he you know he had that one moment with warren where he took her to task over medicare for all to me he won that That argument. I mean, I happen to agree with him that Medicare for all who choose is a is a better choice personally. I think, but to see what who I think are the two best political animals on that stage going at it, and Mayor Pete won that round.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I think uh, what he did in that performance, throughout that entire performance in the debate for him, was say to voters out there who have who are siding with one of the top three candidates right now, but not firmly committed to them, to say you don't need to be committed to them. Mm-hmm. I, I, here's a, here's an, a viable alternative. And he presented that well.
0: And there was a poll last night where we saw that Buttigieg was up to 14% in Iowa. Look, yep. if he can come into Iowa and go top two, I mean, if he won Iowa, I mean... It, 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 all bets are off. And he's got Everything bucket, can change. buckets he's got and buckets of money. He's got, more, he's got as much money as, as you could possibly need to go as far as he wants to go. And every time he gets on that stage and explains his point of view, he comes out stronger. All right, yep. now let's go to Bernie Sanders. I did make mention of Bernie and some of his funny moments, but there's other things to say about Sanders. What were your yeah. thoughts?
1: Yeah, and I think uh, you know, the health, health question was the one that was hanging over him the, the entire time. Mm. Uh, and I think from, you know, from the moment he opened his mouth, there was no question.
0: <laughs> about his health. You know, you know, what was great was I mean, I, I've known people who've had this this happen to them and they've had stints put into their body. And well, what happened is he went from looking like a sick old man. He was red before. Right. He, yeah. he looked like he had his he was he was going to have a heart attack, yeah. you know, because he had this huge blockage. Well, now he looked like 10 pounds lighter. He looked more relaxed. He wasn't gasping for breath. He looked strong. He looked as strong as I've ever seen him on a stage. And I was like, there were a couple of moments. I was like, go, Bernie, go. You know, I mean, I I was very impressed by him last night. I thought of the three um, front runners. He he had the strongest night. I did
1: because, you know, he did the full Bernie. Uh, yeah. And he, and and he did it well. I mean, he's got the full Bernie down, and yeah, I think with he, whatever's happened to him in the past uh, couple of weeks with his health, has just upped his game. And he was well. He on, just can breathe better. He I mean, he can yeah. breathe
0: better. He also had this wonderful, beautiful moment where you know they he talked about how grateful he was to everybody for their kind wishes, and you know and to everyone else on the stage. And he had this very vulnerable moment. It's not something you see with Bernie Sanders very often. He doesn't go into that space because he's always on the attack. He's a warrior. He's a social warrior fighting for what's right, and to see him have that level of humility was was actually really beautiful. I thought it was yeah. a, a really strong night for Bernie Sanders.
1: All right, uh, so the who we thought was the front runner, Joe Biden. What did you think of his
0: performance? No, he's not the front runner. Uh,
1: you know, a, a,
0: a, you know, he has some word salad moments, man. I mean, he says stuff, and you're just like, oh, Joe. However, to me, I thought this was his strongest debate, um, even with the word salads, and here's why. He had two moments where he just flat out said to the American people, you know what, I don't have much, I, it's not about health care. It is about healthcare, and and this is why I think my health care plan is smarter than their health care plan. But this is about Donald Trump. This is about me being able to come in and fix the problems at hand. Now normally, you're not looking for somebody who's going to take you back to normalcy but when we're in such a circus atmosphere, You know, I had some moments last night where I was like, you know what, Joe Biden, you might be exactly what this country really needs. I don't know if you can win, but it would be good to put him back on the world stage. I just, I, I was impressed.
1: Yeah, I, I'm not, I wasn't mixed with, with him. I thought he gave very strong answers when we were talking about Syria, talking about foreign affairs. Mm-hmm. It was something that, you know, like the switch went on with him. That's, that's yes. automatic for him. He knows that stuff. He can get emotional about that stuff. But the question that we were all wondering about, which was how is he handling Fair enough. The, the attack uh, against his, his son, son and, and against himself? And I thought he muffed that. I mean, you know that this is coming I, you know, and you come in on this. You should be stronger and just I don't know, you know
0: the, I don't know there's a muff. I you know, I think it's Well, the a parent- the
1: question is, you know, so one of the questions that he was asked was why are you making this <coughs> distinction now about uh, well, let's go on for a little bit with Joe here. Yeah. Uh, why are you making that distinction now about uh, your your family not not being able to serve in boards and overseas companies when you didn't do that as vice president? And you know there were there were eight ways to he just like kind of fum, fumbled through yeah. that. There are ways to answer that question, which was: Look, I don't. He didn't do anything wrong. I, mean, I don't believe my family will do anything wrong, but I don't want to even broach the possibility. That it could be seen as a conflict. it's, a I mean, deeply,
0: it's but, deeply problematic for him it, it, because. But you think you got care, it, You got an
1: entire campaign. Yeah. You've known tr- attacks like this were coming for months. They did come a couple of weeks ago, and you're still not ready with an answer. That I don't know how that's going to play. And maybe it won't play at all. Maybe it won't matter at all. We'll see him be still best. say the same way. Honestly, balls, as but. good
0: as he was, and as much as I was saying, you know, there are some, there were moments. The best thing that he could do. Well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that to Joe Biden. Joe Biden can do whatever the heck he wants, and he's <laughs> out there fighting his butt off. Yeah. Let's move on to Elizabeth Warren now, because who had a uh, unique evening. You have some thoughts? So I have yes, she was. I in want the to go cr- long on this one. Yes, go
1: ahead. she was in the crosshairs for the oh, very yeah. first time, uh-huh. and that was more of a statement. If you're watching this debate. That was more of a statement to, to saying to the voter sitting back home who casually observing this is, oh, she's the front runner. She's the one that everybody's worried about. She's the one who's on top. Uh, and that's the message that came out. Now, she, I don't, you know, it's the first time this has happened to her. And some people said she was a little petulant in her responses. And, uh, petulant. I, yeah, she was thrown off. I don't think off. so. Yeah, she was I, thrown uh, off.
0: She yeah. got knocked off her game passing. I don't I, mean, I don't she, agree. I don't agree oh, that completely. she got too I don't
1: well, let me mm. let me say this a different way. I, I I won't agree I won't disagree that she got knocked off her game. I will disagree that if you want to say that this is going to have lasting damage for her because I, I think that will be passing damage.
0: Well, okay. I I have a slightly different point of view on this. I think that what we saw last night with Elizabeth Warren was 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 her first real sign of great weakness because she looked like she was in on a battlefield where there were bullets flying all around her and she could not handle herself. There were at least two or three moments where Klobuchar went at her, Klobuchar went at her, Gabbard went at her, um, Kamala Harris, and every time somebody went at her, there was a moment where she was like, why is everyone... Why is everyone yelling at me? Like, why? Why? I was like, well, wait a minute, because you, you're the front runner now. Like, that's how it goes, you know. And and what we've seen is that 30% of front runners who are front runners at this point end up as the Democratic nominee. Well, right. here's why: because people are going at her. And she struggled last night. Her not being able to answer the Medicare for All question in the way that she was supposed to, I mean, it, it, it's a real problem for her. And I, I thought that she, she lost she lost considerable momentum to me last night.
1: I don't think she lost momentum in the sense of where the, the dynamic of this race is going. But she, I agree with you that she showed a sign of weakness that if she doesn't Ooh. correct it the next time around— yeah. Then, it, then it would be problematic for her. But I, well, thought okay. she, I thought she handled it well enough within the context of this being mm, the first time no. that she was in the crosshairs. That no. she can—it's not going to—it's not going to hit her. In it the was polling the first numbers.
0: time I thought to myself, "What's going to happen on that stage with Donald Trump when yep. all that energy is being focused on you by this by this giant of a, of a, of a communicator?" What's going to happen when he starts calling her names? Is she going to get flustered? Is she, is she, is she not going to be able to handle herself? It was, it was a weak performance by Elizabeth Warren, as far as I'm concerned, last night. And it was the first misstep, as far as I've seen, in the Warren campaign since the Pokemon. So now situation. we have
1: those questions about uh, Elizabeth Warren and Joe Biden uh, as our next bet, uh, Bernie Sanders, who I think we probably have no doubt about how he would handle himself with, <laughs> with no, Donald Trump. No, you know,
0: honestly, after we'll do 90 seconds here as a wrap-up. I'll tell you. For for me, again, it was Mayor Pete who yep. really surprised me last night and made me think, okay, wait a minute. Now you're talking. It's a uh, you ever see Fiddler on the Roof? Yep. Um, and when uh, Muddled the Tailor is trying to get Tevia to let him marry Tevia's daughter, and you know, he's like, oh, Reb, Reb, Tevia, Reb, Tevia. And then finally he says, even a poor tailor has a right to happiness. And then Tevia turns to the camera and he says, oh, he's finally talking like a man. Mm hmm. That's what I thought last night as I was watching Mayor Pete. I was like, oh, look at that guy. He's finally talking like a man. He's he's not speaking like a boy anymore, like some wonderkin young man who has a future in the Democratic Party. All of a sudden, it was like, oh, wow. If you can bring that energy to the rest of this campaign with your political abilities and with all the money that you have locked away... I don't know, man. I, I, I was Mayor Pete last night. I was very, very
1: impressed. Okay, so we filled that segment with a lot of uh, Jewish cultural references. <laughs> okay, so that, yes. That'll be good. That, that, so that in and of itself is always enjoyable. But okay. let, let's move on to our final segment here, our Guardian of the Week. And this is someone who puts their own personal political fortunes aside to stand up for the Republic.
0: And your nominee this week was?
1: Uh, I think I'm going to nominate this week Fiona Hill. Uh, who is that um, diplomat uh, who works uh, in the Soviet Union, who testified in front of Congress. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't know exactly what she said. Uh, We We have some some information from a statement that she made and and some other things that have come out. Uh, But it seems that she is willing to say, look, I need to stand up for the processes that protect this republic. In foreign affairs, and yes. and I and she's I, I named her because she's the one that has most recently done this. But it looks like the, that we're going to see a lot more of these folks in our um, state, uh, in the State Department, and in our security services and our intelligence services stepping forward uh, to say we need to protect this republic from foreign influence, mm-hmm. uh, which is starting to run rampant. And for that, uh, I named her the Guardian of the Week.
0: Yep, I, I will. I will back you up on that. I'm going to throw in, even though we we spoke about him earlier. Shepard Smith, also to me. Um, Even though he left the stage, at least for a little while, his time on that stage was incredibly important. Uh, He was a voice from the right who was speaking out on a consistent basis. Now that falls to Neil Cavuto. And, you know, there's this there's this uh, I don't know if you saw this video that's kind of making the rounds right now where Cavuto really takes Trump to task and it's sort of making its way around uh, liberal um, Twitter. Yeah. The the funny thing is but the funny thing is that happened three months ago. Mm-hmm. That wasn't this week. That happened three months ago or two months ago when President Trump came out against Fox News and said, none of you guys are, you're not treating me right. You're not being fair. But if you look at that, Neil Cavuto, it's its sort of, it's on you now, Mr. Cavuto. Help to save this republic. All right. Well, that's it for this week's edition of Guardians of the Republic.
1: Uh, make sure to subscribe to get the latest episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcast app is. And please make sure, give us a rating, a rating, a rating, a particularly a five rating. We'll like that. That'd be nice. So <laughs> others can find us. Give us a review. We will read those. Absolutely. And check out our website at guardians-republic.com or on Twitter at GuardiansOTR.
0: Thank you for joining us. And we'll be back with a new episode next week.
1: See ya.